and as it applies to Christians within the local church. And we'll look at a, a few different applications through Scripture. We're just gonna, but I want to go through look at what the Bible says. This is something that I thought triggered my mind uh, a few weeks ago. I've been thinking about it and looking at God's Word. I want to put together a message on this, but on questions, and, you know, um, and I want to look at a few things in the Scripture, uh, you know. But I want, what I want us to think about this morning is, is okay, are, 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 are you the type of person, or is even more specifically, generally, I guess, uh, in, in our church, is our church the type of place where someone can ask a question? Can you ask questions? Um, can, you, can others ask you questions? Uh, can you answer other questions? Is this a place where people can ask questions without fear of, of oh, if I ask this question, I might not look like I'm towing the spiritual line like everybody else. Is it okay to ask this question? Uh, I want, this is something that's been on my mind for a while, and I, I want to look at Scripture on it and what I would say. So um, let me just uh, uh, look at Romans 14, verse 1. It says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. We're going to come back to this passage later. Um, look also at Romans 15 and verse 1. There's... We're going to look at all these scriptures again. There's multiple scriptures that could be used as a starting point. We're going to use these two. Romans 15, verse 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmity of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let's actually go ahead and have a word of prayer before we get into this. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. We ask that you would help us now. Uh, please open our minds and our hearts to your word. We pray that you'd please help me as I, um, as I preach this morning. Give me the words to say. Help me not to say anything I shouldn't say. Help us just to uh, be true to the word of God and to allow the word of God to work in our hearts. We do pray if there's any here that, um, that are not saved, that you would work on their hearts about, about salvation this morning. We would see that matter settled even today. And we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab a quick drink here, excuse me. Still kind of overcoming the effects of a cold from earlier this week, so we'll see how this goes. Um, so let's, uh, let, let's go to Isaiah 44 first. First point I want to make is that it is good to ask questions. We're going to look at the opposite of this in Isaiah 44. Just briefly, one passage on this point. Isaiah 44 um, this is an incredible chapter, and we're going to draw just a couple of verses here. Um, Isaiah 44, verse, verse 19 and 20. I want to just look at an illustration here. It says, And none considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I, should, I am jumping in the middle of context here. This is God. He's speaking about people who worship idols, false idols. It says, And none considereth in his heart, neither is knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burnt part of it in the fire. Yea, also, I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside. He cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? I want to point this out as illustration. So, Isaiah 44, uh, the... the um, uh, this is God here. He's talking about people who worship idols. And they don't put two and two together. They, make, they carve this idol out of their own, 
you know, uh, with their own hands out of a piece of wood, and with the leftover wood, they throw it in their oven and cook some food with it, and, you know, and they do other things with it. But and it, they're not putting two together. Like, I'm bowing down. I'm making this thing my God, and it's just a piece of wood. Their problem, you know, what is, in 1920, one of the problems he's saying is they, uh, there is no knowledge or understanding to say, I've burned part of a fire. And he goes on to ask a couple questions. He's saying they don't ask questions. They don't ask questions. They're not asking themselves, uh, shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? Shall I make the residue of an abomination? He says, is there not a lie in my right hand? So, what I want to say is it is not good to be dull, not thinking, not asking questions. Uh, we should ask questions. We should ask questions. You should think about what you do. And you should ask yourself, or you should ask, uh, and we'll look at the right, who, you know, what's the right place to take your questions to. But you should ask questions. You think, why am I doing this? What am I doing? What is the reason behind I'm doing this, you know? And we can apply this very broadly, very narrowly. You can apply this to today. We're all sitting here in church. Do you know why you are in church? Have you asked yourself that? Or if you don't know the answer, you know, have you asked someone else? Why? why have you, kids, have you asked your parents? Why did you bring me to church? Why did we go to church? Why am I here? You know, uh, things like this. Ask questions. Don't be like the idolaters in Isaiah 44. And just go along with the flow. Oh, everybody else is making idols and bowing down to them. So, no. Stop. Think about it. Like, what am I doing and why am I doing this? See if you can come up with a good answer to that. So, we should ask questions. I want to look at now the example of Christ. I want to look at several examples, just pulling out a few, uh, most of which are from the book of Matthew. So, you can actually go back and listen to the pastor series on Matthew and from these passages and see you know, a very detailed exposition of these, but types of questions asked Christ by the disciples. That's going to be kind of the context we're focusing on here is in our circles as Christians, Christians asking other Christians questions. Um, so let's go to Matthew chapter 9 to start off with. This first one here, we're just going to look down through a list. Look at some questions that Christ was asked and what type of questions the disciples asked and his response is a little bit. We're not going to really dive into these too briefly, but I want to make a point here. Um, let's see. Matthew 9, uh, verse, verse 14. Okay, it says, uh, Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And Christ proceeds to give them the answer here. Uh, here's one type of question asked by the disciples. Question about, about practice, about duty. Here we see an example of the disciples asking Christ, Why do we do what we do? Why do we do? He came to Christ. You know, is it, hey, we don't fast here. John's disciples fast, and, uh, you know, the Pharisees fast. Why, why don't we fast? And Christ answered the question. Christ did not go to them and say, oh, man, you should know that already. I'm not even going to give a response here. You know, what is wrong with you? No, he answered, he answered the question. You know, he didn't. So, uh, you know, here's the type of question asked. About practice. Why are we doing this? Look at what we're doing. Why are we not doing this? So, um, and Christ, uh, of course, in all these, he has the perfect answer to their questions and responds. Look at Matthew chapter 11. This is one of the most powerful examples. This is the passage Pastor preached on a few weeks ago and kind of got me thinking about this. And he mentions this briefly. But in Matthew chapter 11, we've got John the Baptist asking a question. Um, 
John 11, uh, look at verse 2 and 3. It says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So we have John the Baptist asking Christ, Wait, are, you, are you actually the Messiah? John the Baptist is the one who said, you know, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And, um, you know, and... You know, in Christ's response, uh, he, he did not rebuke John for the question. He actually proceeded to call him the greatest man that had ever been born. And John is asking Christ, are you really the Messiah? And, and Christ's response to all these questions is he, he proceeds to answer them in the perfect way. He assures them. He uses his word. He uses the things that he has done, you know, his, his, his miracles that he's done and things like that. And he, he proceeds to assure them and to answer their questions. So, um, just a great example here of this. It, and, of course, this is, a, you know, John's expressing, expressing doubt. And um, that's, you know, one of the, it's okay to express doubt about something. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions. And so that's kind of what we want to think about as, we go, as we're going through this message today. You know, are, if someone, you know, it was, would someone, would another church member, would another Christian be comfortable enough to come to you personally or, or in, your, in your Sunday school class, if you're a Sunday school class teacher, or whatever application it is, would someone, you know, feel comfortable enough to ask you a serious question that may perhaps, you know, threaten their own spirituality. They say, oh man, if I ask this question, people aren't going to think I'm very spiritual because everybody else already knows this answer. Why don't I know this answer? I mean, what kind of what kind of environment do we have? Do we have an environment where we can ask those questions? Those questions can't get answered. As they should be. They should be asked. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 18. The next list. Matthew chapter 18. Uh, verse 1. Okay. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. So very rarely I say unto you, except you be converted, become as little children. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so here we have... Matthew chapter 18, this is a very interesting question. Mark 9 and Luke 9 are kind of parallel passages here. The same question comes up. And by comparing the other passages, it indicates that the disciples were first reasoning among themselves who is to be the greatest. You know, they're kind of asking each other, talking about it, you know, which one is going to be the greatest in heaven? And Christ actually confronts them about it. He perceives their thoughts confronts them about it, and then they ask this question. And they're like, okay, uh, you know, we're, we've been found out. We're guilty, so we'll ask Christ now. <laughs> you know, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus answered them. Um, so this question here, honestly, it's a question from simple motives. They, this question is revealing a problem in them. It's revealing that they have pride and false motivations. And, um, you know, and Christ, he confronted with them about it first. 
But they still, you know, they didn't just run away. They still, they asked him, okay, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Um, I'm sure they were, well, and even Mark 9 and Luke 9, in the case, they were ashamed of it. They were ashamed of their thoughts, even when, in asking this question, they were ashamed of it. But they still felt safe enough with Christ to ask him a question, even though they were ashamed about it. They were okay, with, they could go to Christ, and even though they knew, oh man, you know, Christ just confronted that we're wrong about this. But, and they, you know, when they, if they ask this question, they know Christ has already, you know, had, had, an, had an issue with this. They're, he's not going to think them very great <laughs> if they reveal their thoughts. Of course, nothing can be hidden from Christ. Um, but still, they, they were able to ask the question, and Christ used it to teach a powerful lesson. If we go through, you know, he talks about being humble, being as little children, um, you know, except you be converted, become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what we see here is how Christ responds to these questions. He uses it to teach powerful lessons. He doesn't, in these cases, rebuke, you know, we, we do often see Christ rebuke people. He definitely rebukes people. But when you look through in scripture where a disciple comes to Christ and asks him a question, his response is to teach them, to teach them lessons, not to abrade them for asking the wrong type of question. <laughs> he uses it. And he, he, will, he points out their sin. He points out, here's where you're wrong. Here's what you should be doing. Here's how you should be thinking. But um, the disciples, though, were able to come to Christ and ask this question. Matthew 19.25. We'll see another example here. Matthew 19.25. So probably, this message will probably not go very long here this morning, but we'll go through this. Matthew 19, verse 25. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. With God all things are possible. So in Matthew 19, it actually, there's multiple questions. This is a chapter of questions. Starting off with the questions about marriage and divorce. And Christ deals with that and teaches them on that. And then there's, um, there, you know, there's a question in, in Matthew uh, 19, verse 16. There's the... Um, the, the young man that comes to him and says, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And, uh, and we'll, I actually will return that to uh, make a point about this passage later. But um, So he's, got this, he's asked this question about um, uh, from the young man, you know, what, how to have eternal life, as it were. And his response to the young man, if you look in... Um, Jump down to verse 21. That is the end of his response. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, then for a rich man enter the kingdom of God. And then comes the question, and the disciples heard it were exceedingly amazed, who then can be saved? And um, 
So this, in the mind of the disciple, you know, the Jew, the mind of a Jew in this point, being rich gave you tremendous advantage in salvation because you had much to give. That means you could much more easily earn your way to heaven. So, you know, this, this teaching in Matthew 19 is just, it's really something that is brand new to them. You know, how hard they can a rich man? Wait, I thought rich guys could go and heaven much more easily. No, and then they ask, well, who then can be saved? So think about this. These are the disciples. These are the apostles. These are the twelve apostles asking Christ, you know, a question about salvation here, a clarification about the gospel. Who then? The disciples had a misunderstanding here about the gospel. They're asking Christ. So, you know, I would think that perhaps in some of our um, independent Baptist circles, you know, it would be hard to ask a question about if you are, you know, if you actually thought that a rich guy could go to heaven just because he's rich. But, you know, and if you were to express that, you would be, you, 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 you might, you, you would be considered pretty uh, unspiritual. <laughs> you don't even understand the basics of the gospel. Well, the disciples here um, were not ashamed to go to Christ, ask this question about salvation, about clarification regarding the gospel. And, you know, um, this is an important one to understand. It's important one to know, you know, questions about salvation. It, um, it, definitely don't be ashamed to ask questions for clarification regarding the, the gospel or doubts about salvation. Okay, that is the one thing you really want to ask questions about. Even if you are, and none of us here are ever going to be an apostle that has walked with Christ. We're never going to quite be that level. So even if the apostles who walked with Christ had a point in their lives where they're asking Christ, wait a minute, what was, rich men can't, get, can't go to heaven? Who then can be saved? You're thinking, you know us. I look at that question and think, come on guys, this is, this is ABCs of gospel right here. The apostles ask this question. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter, maybe you are a teacher in this church. Maybe you have been here for you know, since the beginning, and, you know, you are looked up to and respected, and if you have a question about the gospel, clarification needed about salvation, ask it. Ask it. And are we, do, are we the type of church where someone can come and ask that question? What will our response be to that? What will your response be? You know, do we have an environment where someone can ask that question, and we will, we will, we will answer their question in, in, in a helpful way? And not, and not just say, oh, you shouldn't be asking that question. You should know this already. You're not. And sometimes, and that's not even, it isn't always vocal. It is always, sometimes it's just the, the impression given. And I'm, I've, been in, I've been in places where I've seen this. And, um, but, you know, it, it's easy to get to the point where it's, it's kind of an unspoken thing. There's a standard. There's a line. Everybody's got a toe. There's a standard. Everybody has to meet. And if you appear... To not be there, ooh, you know, you, you're not spiritual, you're not, you're not meeting, them. and that's, and it, it doesn't even have to, it's not, an, it's not like an official thing, you know, that's part in the church constitution, everybody must do this, or we will think you are unspiritual, but it, it develops in social circles, it develops and whatnot, and thing. so we don't want it, we don't want to get that way, we don't want to get there, we want it to be where, um, where people feel comfortable to ask a question, whatever the question may be. Asking questions is a good thing. Um, and we'll look at some scripture 
supporting that here. A couple more about the example of Christ here. Um, Look at uh, just a couple verses down, verse 27. It says, uh, uh, then, Then Peter answered and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Peter here has a question about rewards. And this is directly related to the rest of this chapter. You know, Christ had just, in, early in the chapter, he had just told the, the rich young ruler, verse 21, he says, If thou will be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Peter is thinking about this. He's like, wait a minute. He just heard Christ tell the rich man, Sell all, follow me, you're going to have treasure in heaven. Peter's thinking about this. He says, wait a minute. I've done that. I left my fishing business. I left my family. I'm following Christ. He's thinking, he's like, treasure in heaven? Wow, what is he talking about? Let me ask, let me ask him about that. And so he does. Verse 21, and Peter has, behold, we have forsaken all. Follow thee. What shall we have therefore? I don't, I don't see Peter having any kind of wrong motives here. I think he's, he just heard Christ make this statement, this guy, and he's thinking about it. He's like, oh, wow, what a thought. What, what does Christ mean by that? Let me, let me ask him. And, um, and so, and, and Christ proceeds to answer and talking about those rewards. And verily I say unto you, that they which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Christ proceeds to, to teach them about these rewards. And it is true, you know, the rewards in heaven are incomparable. You know, you give your life to Christ, forsake God of Christ. For the, that's something that, you know, your, your return on that investment is going to be far greater than anything that you could ever get on this earth. You know, I don't care if you, you know, you could become a billionaire making all kinds of great investments here on earth. It's not going to compare to the rewards in heaven. You know, even if all it was was just eternal life with God, like, oh, that's all it is, just eternal life with God. You know, like, that's a small thing. You know, that's the main thing. But in addition to that, this is rewards in heaven. You know, um, that this is, this is worth. I believe Christ does want us to think about that. He taught, he taught on it multiple times um, about the rewards that were to come in heaven. So, uh, Christ, you know, so we've seen, you know, uh, Christ has been asked questions about, about practice, you know, about duty. Why do we do what we do? Questions expressing doubt. Questions even from sinful motives. Questions about salvation. Questions about rewards. Uh, in Matthew 24, verse 3, we've got questions about future events. Matthew 24, verse 3. Um, this is, uh, and, he sat, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Christ proceeds to teach him about, about, the, about the end of the world, about the signs of his coming. Um, so questions about future events. That's a, great, that's a great question to ask, you know. And that's, um, honestly, I've, you know, I know myself personally, whether for my own kids or, or other uh, kids in the church or other folks, you know, I've had a lot of questions about, People want to, you know, that's a good thing to be curious about, future events. What's going to happen? That's a good thing to understand. Christ wants his disciples to understand that. So questions about future events, you know, don't be afraid to ask that. Christ wants us to know what's coming, you know, what's next in the calendar. That we can be watching, be ready, be prepared. Um, let's go over to John 14, kind of uh, lastly looking through some of these examples. 
I'll jump over to the book of John. John 14, uh, verse, verse 5. Uh, says, and Thomas saith unto him, well, again, I'm jumping in the middle of the context, but Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know whither thou goest, and, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If he had known me, he should have known my Father also. From henceforth you, you know him and have seen him. Verse 8, And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest not thou that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Look, uh, jump down also to verse 22. Another question here. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered, said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Um, so just these, these three, verse 5, verse 8, verse 22, there's three questions of the disciples here wanting to know more about Christ. So Christ has started off the chapter telling him, you know, that he is going to, he's going to go. He's going to go, he's going to go, but he's going to prepare a place for them. Verse 4, he said, whither I go, the way you know, and the way you know. And Thomas wants to know more. He's like, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus gives the answer, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, but I love these questions here. You know, between Thomas, Philip, and Judas, not Iscariot, um, they wanted to know more about Christ. They didn't, there were things that they, they didn't quite understand. You know, they weren't understanding where Christ was going. They would, the, the, even the question about Christ and the Father and the Trinity and how that worked. And then even a question about you know, the availability of Christ to the world. You know, will thou manifest itself to us and not unto the world? And Christ answered these. But questions about wanting to know more about Christ. These are so important. These deep questions. These things about, um, you know, about who is Christ? What is he doing? What, uh, and these are ones that you, that you want to ask. These are the ones you want to get into. And these are the ones that, as you spend more time in the Bible and you spend more time with Christ, you'll have more and more of these questions of, you know, uh, of about who Christ is, but and Christ gives these tremendous answers here. But don't be afraid, though, that you'll look unspiritual. You know, if you ask a question about God, about who Christ is, you know, again, some of these questions here that the disciples are asking, they were really, you know, they had they had some misunderstandings and some things. Some now we look at it as you know, oh, these are simple things. We know these, but they didn't have. You know, the entire written word of God, as we have all grown up with. Um, they have been walking with Christ. He had been teaching them. But they still, they had these questions. And Christ, he takes, he takes several chapters here to go through and to answer these questions. And, uh, and to tell them about a teacher, the comfort of the Holy Spirit that would come. It would answer their questions for them as well. But questions wanting to know more about Christ. These are very important questions to ask. These are questions that um, that you should be asking. You know, young people, old people. Doesn't, it doesn't matter either way. But these are the ones you should be asking. These are the ones that, as you grow, as you learn more about Christ, as you spend time in church, you know, why why is Christ God? You know, why do you know? Can you give a good answer to that? 
how do you know Christ has got the Father? You know, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. us. How can you explain it? You know, Jesus and the Father are one, you know, and the Holy Spirit are one, yet they're separate. You know, can you, do you know about, can, do you, what do you know about that? What do you know about their relationship? And that's, to me, even in, um, in recent years, that's one thing that God has really used to develop my um, my relationship with him is understanding the relationship between Christ and the Father. You know, John 17, that prayer there that he made and wanting us to have that same relationship. These are good questions to ask. And, um, and of course, verse 5, you know, Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? You know, Thomas, he wanted to be with Christ. He did. He's like, wait, Christ is leaving? But he says, I know where. He's like, wait, I don't know. He's like, wait a minute, Lord. Hold everything. Wait a minute. I don't know what you're talking about. Some clarification, please. You know, you're leaving. I want to go with you. You know, what, what's the way? He responds, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man knoweth the Father but by me. So these incredible questions here. Don't be afraid to ask these questions. Please ask these questions. Ask these questions of your parents, of your teachers, of others in the church. And, um, and we're going to kind of look at a couple more things about that too. But um, Okay, so we've seen some examples of questions asked Christ by the disciples. Um, a couple more points along these lines of questions here. We should be ready to answer questions. Obviously, this is the Bible talks about this. First Peter chapter 3, um, Colossians 4, 6, 2 Timothy 2. Let's look at a couple of these. First uh, Peter three fifteen. We should be ready to answer questions. And that, that is, that is a thing. And I, I stand before you as someone who has looked at this for, for myself, to apply it personally. Because I have find, found very many, many faults in myself as I have gone through this. Like, oh, okay, I, have, uh, I see where there's been times that maybe I haven't fostered a question-friendly environment because I wasn't ready to answer those questions or other reasons. So I stand before you as, uh, you know, the parent, the Sunday school teacher, the church member who has had faults in this area and is trying to learn from Scripture here. <laughs> so this is in no way of, hey, everybody shouldn't be following what I'm doing. Not at all. This is, this is what I'm trying to apply to my life, and hopefully we can learn from it. But um, look, First Peter uh, 3, verse 15, is, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. So, very clear verse here. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason the hope that is in you. So, uh, well, I mean, we could, we could this is, we're not going to spend a lot of time, but we could preach on this passage, right? You know, you should have hope that others see. Where they say, oh, wow, why is that guy so hopeful? <laughs> Let me go ask him. What is the reason of your hope? You know, and you should have an answer ready for that. You should be ready to answer questions about the gospel, obviously, to the lost and, um, and, to, uh, and, and to others in the church, too. You should be living the type of life that generates questions, the right type of questions <laughs> from other people, and be ready to answer them. And look at Colossians 4, 6. Flipping through... A lot of scripture here this morning, but Colossians 4, 6. <clears throat> let, your, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Another uh, great pastor here. Know how ye ought to answer. So in, let our speech be always 
this is, and there's other passages, um, you know, John 15 talks about Romans 12, Romans 14, 15, we read that, Galatians 5, Ephesians um, 5, you know, the, this passage here, there's, uh, there's so many passages of Scripture that talks about how we are to treat one another with love and humility, and this is part of it. Uh, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. But and but this is in context specifically talking about what, in verse five, walk in wisdom toward them which are without, redeeming the time. And uh, so you should, your speech in general should be in a way that you know others can approach you, and and and, and then you know how to answer their questions when they approach you. Look at Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-four. Second Timothy two. 24 uh, says, and this so this passage I'm kind of well, this um, and this is addressed to Timothy, and uh, Paul here is giving him several commands specifically to Timothy. But verse 24 he gives him says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient. And uh, so this these commands here are given. Um, also in First Timothy and in the book of Titus, specifically to preachers, to pastors, to ministers of the gospel. Um, in this passage, it does not specify to, um, to, to pastors. He's, he's addressing Timothy specifically, who was a pastor, but so it definitely goes with those other passages. But this idea of being apt to teach, this is something that we all can apply our lives, apt to teach. Are you... Ready to teach people? Are you ready to, you know, in the fact that where you're ready to answer their questions? And also, people recognize there is someone I can ask a question of. And they will try their best to give me an answer. You know, that's the type of people we should be. And, um, you know, along the lines of being ready to answer questions, you know, we need to treat fellow believers with love and humility. We started off in Romans 14, verse 1 and 15, 1 and 2, and this whole passage, you know, the end of Romans chapter 12. Uh, actually, I'm going to read a couple more passages here. But they're talking about treating one another with love and humility. This goes along the lines, uh, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. And, um, and it goes on, verse 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lie in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, and then we read verse 14, verse 1, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Receive, those that are weak in the, you know, it very well could be that someone has a question because they are weak in the faith, because they're, maybe they're a new Christian. Maybe they have not studied things out as they should or whatnot. And they have questions. And because they're weak, the Bible says to, you know, receive those, to help them, help them, you know, bear one another's burdens in Galatians chapter 5. So, if a, if a brother... Or sister, you know, comes to you with a question, you know, that's maybe a simple question, maybe something that you think, well, man, well, they should have got this already. Don't let your response be, be that, you know, be, well, you should have got this already, so go figure it out, you know. Receive them as a weak brother and help them, try to encourage and strengthen and teach them in the Word of God. And go to the right place with your questions. Um, go to the right place with your questions. Ask God your questions. Okay. Go to God with your questions. Go to the Scripture and the Holy Spirit to teach you. Look at John, back in John chapter 14, verse 26. 
John chapter 14, uh, verse 26. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. God has given us a teacher. You know, if you are a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation, you have the Holy Spirit with you as your comforter, as your teacher, as your guide. So, Christian, if you do have questions, and, you know, I would imagine that everyone in here has a question of one form or another about the Bible or about God or something, go to God with that question. Go, go in prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and show you. Then go to the Bible. Open up God's Word. Dig into it. Study it. Don't be afraid to do that. That is a good thing to do. And then also, you can go to other believers who have, who you know, pastor or you know, a, a, a lady or a man in the church who's spiritually mature, and you and you have seen them live a godly life. You go and say, "Hey, I have a question about this. Do you have an answer?" And then be the be the type of Christian that will give them a biblical answer. And if you don't know, that's okay. That's okay. This is a, that's a, you can be let let your answer be. I don't know, <laughs> but I will search the Word of God with you, and let's find out, you know, or let's go ask someone who may be able to help us and study this with us. Um, and you will find this will help you grow a lot. This will help you grow. As, as being the person who who is the question answerer, you will become the person who is the question asker. If someone comes to you ask you a question, you know, you know, why do we? Uh, why is it wrong to get tattoos? You're like, oh, okay. Do you have a good answer for that? Is it wrong to get tattoos? Huh. Let me find out. You'll find like, oh, okay. So I've been asked this question. Do I know? And I know in my case, a lot of times, like, I'll, usually I've got an answer right away. I've, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, here's, here's the answer. And I think about it, like, wait, okay. Well, why is that my answer? And then so, you know, then I, what happens is you've got to open up the Bible yourself. Dig into it, find out, why do I believe this? Why is that there? And you end up edified. You end up strengthened. You end up built up. And that is the goal of our relationships with each other within the church, is to edify, is to build one another up. And asking and answering questions is a tremendous way to do that. You'll become rooted and grounded in your faith by digging into God's word through these questions. But... Um, and the scriptures are given for our learning. Romans 15, verse 4, I'll read this here, says, uh, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. If you have a question, the scripture was written for your questions. It's for our learning. Go to the, go to the scriptures. Go to the right place with your questions. Go to God. Go to the scriptures. Um, be ready to receive an answer. Be ready to receive an answer. You may get an answer that you do not like. You may get an answer, whether that's from, uh, you know, and all the answers should come from the Bible, whether that's another fellow believer who is sharing the scripture with you and saying, hey, here's what the Bible says about this, or you personally yourself studying the Bible trying to find an answer. You may find an answer that is not what you expected. It may change your position. It may change your view on one thing. But it's okay. It's okay to change your view if you're changing to agree with Scripture. Be ready to, to uh, accept an answer. If someone 
it's not, I actually, I, I've heard, uh, I heard when I was in Bible college a long time ago, I heard a pastor, and it was an elderly pastor, say that he had not changed anything since he was in Bible college himself. And I was like, wait a minute. When you were a Bible college student, you already had it all figured out, and you haven't found one thing you needed to change in 40 years? Wait a minute. Something is wrong. <laughs> You're, if you are a diligent student of the Word of God, you will find things that you need to change. You will find things that you were wrong at that you need to change. And so be ready to receive an answer, whatever it may be. Don't be willingly ignorant. Second Peter 3, verse 4 through 5, Peter talks about those, the scoffers in the last days who are willingly ignorant of what God has done. Willingly ignorant of creation, of the flood, specifically what he talks about. Um, don't be willingly ignorant, turning a blind eye to answers to your questions. Be ready to receive your questions. And know the answer uh, to the, you know, you know, you got to be, be ready to receive the, receive the answers, uh, whatever it may be. Be ready to answer questions, whatever questions are asked you. And as just in a way of conclusion, obviously, if you're talking about questions, you must know the answer to the most important question. Along those lines was one of those that Christ was asked in Matthew chapter 19, where the rich young looked at him, what, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? That is the most important question you can ever ask. And we've mentioned that here, talking about the gospel clarification. If you do not have an answer to that, if you, do not, if you cannot answer the question, you know, what is going to happen to you when you die? If you were to die right now and stand before God, and he was to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be to that question? Think about that. If, you're, if the answer to that question is anything except... I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ paid for my sins on the cross. That's the only way how I can have salvation. I can enter heaven. That's, that's the only correct answer to that question. Jesus said in John 14, 6, which we read, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You, you will have to answer that question. Some the Bible says you will be, Hebrews 9, 27, is pointing to man once to die and after this, the judgment. In Matthew 19, Christ told that rich young ruler, you know, that basically, you know, what, what he was going to be judged by is the law. Romans chapter 2 tells us exactly that. We will be judged by the law, by the Ten Commandments. You know, and, and, you know, have you ever have you ever committed murder? Have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen, coveted, dishonored your parents? You go on through the list. That's how you can see, you know, what, how Judgment Day will go for you. And if we are honest and we examine ourselves, we'll see every single one of us is guilty. Every single one. There is not one person who has not broken the law of God. Not in any way. Not, not, the only, there's only one person who has, or who has not, rather, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But that, and the reason why he came to do that was because, in Revelation, the Bible tells us, Judgment Day, all those who are guilty are cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Eternity separated from God. That is the, 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 the judgment on the guilty on that day. And we're all guilty. That is why Christ came. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ came to fulfill the law, to obey God perfectly, to be the perfect man who could stand before God at Judgment Day and be innocent. And what he did was he went to the cross to die, to take our place, to take our sin, our guilt upon himself, and receive God's wrath, receive God's punishment poured out on him in our place, so that he could give us his righteousness, his eternal life. And the only way 
to receive that is by, is by acknowledging what Christ did. But repentance and faith, repenting from whatever it was you believe in. If you were believing in your own good works, if you were believing in baptism, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, you've got to change your mind about that. So that was wrong. Jesus Christ is the only way. Place your trust, your faith, 100% in Christ. Just the same as you would trust a parachute if you were to jump out of a plane. You're trusting that parachute 100%. Place your faith and trust in Christ 100% for salvation. And he will save you. He will save you. And, uh, and you will have an answer to that question. So if you do not know an answer to that question, we would love to, uh, to uh, talk with you more about that, if you like. But, but questions. Are we ready to, 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 to hear questions? Are we ready to ask questions? So I pray this will be a help to us today. And um, so let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll close with that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for, uh, for your love towards us, God. And we pray that you would uh, just bless this, uh, this, uh, this invitation time now and help us to just uh, do business with you. And we pray that you would help us uh, as we go throughout the rest of this day. And we love you.